I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. is The Athletic Hockey Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the American edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, and boy, do we have a great show for you today. Not just because it's Sean Gentili's birthday. Hey Sean, happy birthday! What did I tell? What did I tell you? He about? said, "Do not talk about my birthday." He said, right before we hit record, he goes, "Hey, la- one last request, Craig. Uh, you know, we've known each other a long time. If you could just if not I've bring ever, up my birthday. If I've ever asked you for anything, <laughs> please shout out my birthday in the first thirty seconds of the episode here, please." I'm sorry. I, I, I'm uh, I'm your host, Craig Custance, joined uh, by Sean Gentili. Most importantly, today. We are joined in segment two by Barry Trotz, uh, Stanley Cup winning coach, coach in waiting of team, I guess, fill in the blank. Not the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Not Team not the Vancouver Canucks. And he was really, I think, revealing on some of that. Um, he, he's so good. We're not even going to talk that much. Sean and I are going to try to sh- show some restraint here in segment one so we can get to that because he touches on the Bruce Boudreaux situation. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Alex Ovechkin, the moment he knew the Capitals were going to win the Stanley Cup, and it was way earlier than I think the rest of us knew. What else, Sean? There was like, it just, it, it was, was, it was amazing. I feel like I know a lot more about, I feel like I'm ready to go coach a hockey team now. <laughs> yeah. How to win a, the, like, the what Barry you need to Trotz, do to win a Stanley Barry Cup. Trotz coaching clinic. That's right. He also did this, it's worth saying gave most of these answers without any kind of prompting like he just sort of oh yeah yeah this, we did nothing this, like this, this even lazier stuff from us than usual here honestly <laughs> he just rolled right into 
<laughs> I was checking stuff off my off my little outline list, like without even having the hazard bringing it up. Yeah, it was almost like he's like, and I'm sure next you'll ask me about Alex. All right, and, and, yeah, and now you're going to ask me about Alex Ovechkin, <laughs> and uh, I, you're definitely going to ask me about Bruce, so I'll just bring let that just, up on yeah, my own. He was just trying to spare us the uncomfortable question, so he's like, well, let me just take this on. It, I, at four different points, I try to wrap it up, because I get, I have... Um, he said, no, no, no soup yeah, for you, my boy. No, I was like, hey, one last thing, it, you know, it, and then we can let you go and it was like 40 minutes later 13 13 more minutes of gold i'm always just so paranoid about like overstaying my welcome anywhere or extending something beyond somebody's i have that i have some sort of like anxiety some people are completely immune to that they have no problems being the last one at a party me i'm out definitely not usually because i'm pulling the irish goodbye at a party Mm -hmm. specifically classic um I don't know though. I'm not surprised to see that's how that's how it went went with Barry. He's got he's good for it. He's got the rep for it. And he just I think kind of seemed like he wanted to talk, honestly. Like after mm-hmm. a certain amount of time, you just knew like all right, he he's oh, just he's, doesn't he's, he's just, up for a chat. He's got you know He's got time. Got time. And those are the best kind of interviews. So definitely listen to that. The one thing I want to talk real quick before that, Sean, is Max Pacioretty goes down for the Carolina Hurricanes, um, t- like rough one. Like you, you hated to see it. Uh, Don Waddell talked to Pierre LeBron and said it was as down as he'd seen his team after a win as he'd ever remembered. It's like every bit surrounding that circumstance was maximized to be as depressing as possible, right? Like you have the Hurricanes add this guy who seems like he's the one – He's the dude, right? Like he's like the the piece that they add in a spot that they needed it, which is you know clutch goal scoring, proven proving right. ability in that in that area. And then he gets hurt, and then he comes back and he's good, he's productive, right? For all four or five games that yeah, he's in the three lineup. goals in five games, right? And then for it to happen that late in a game, which is brutal, eighteen seconds left or whatever. Are you it trying is. to make Carolina fans? No, I'm just saying, like, I was surprised at how, like, I felt bad. I felt, I felt worse mm-hmm. for Max Pacioretty than I normally do for when I, when you see guys get hurt. I don't care. I know. Yeah. Was, they're not, so, they're not, they're not people to so me. So more than zero? <laughs> he, there's something about Achilles injuries, man. There's oh, just something true. about, about watching those on video where, they just resonate with people, right? Because mm-hmm. you see, we've seen it in hoops so much over the last couple of years, whether it's Kevin Durant or whoever else, where guys just jump up like they got bit. And to see that happen in no Pacioretty's history and just all these different things are wrapped up in it. Yeah, I felt, I felt, all, I mean, all kidding aside, you always feel bad for guys when, when they have serious injuries like that. But that one even more so, it's just like, oh, for God's sakes. Right. Yeah. So Carolina, as as Don pointed out to Pierre, they generally don't, you know, they like to do some of their moves in the offseason. They're kind of one of those teams if you, that if they're making moves or adding people with term, they're not huge rental team. I mean, there's the, you know, there was some of the stuff like the, the Troch, you know, I remember that that Panthers Carolina deal a couple years ago that was interesting. And, but, you know, here they are sitting in first place. Um, in the division, and 
I don't know, we're waiting for the the big postseason breakthrough, not to like put pressure on him, but when you look at the potential offensive players available, or, you know, the Ryan O'Reilly's, Tarasenko's, Bo Horvat, I mean, now you're like, boy, it, I think that would, maybe this is the time to ramp it up if you're Carolina. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying too that we've seen a deviation from the standard Hurricanes model over the last six months. Like, mm. Did the Carolina Hurricanes of 2019 go out and trade for Max Pacioretty? Even though it was, it was a cost-effective and it was a cap dump for Vegas and whatever, like, do they go out and get a guy at that phase of his career, you know, in the last year of his deal? I don't know. Do they go out and get Brent Burns? I don't mm-hmm. know. Those guys are, those guys, even though, again, cost-effective, you know, teams retain right. salary, all, all, all that stuff. They don't quite fit the on ice profile of what Carolina typically goes out and gets, and they were they were in on other people too. There was other there were other things percolating around the Carolina Hurricanes during the off season in a way that we typically don't see from them. Right, so they mm-hmm. start the season as a cap team. Rod Brindamore told me and Haley Salvian when we talked to him ahead of the season. You know, they were all psyched for Max Pacioretty to be their trade deadline addition because they right. knew. It, not just because he's a good player and because he was coming back late, but also because they knew that they didn't have any other space. Like they knew that they that because of what they'd done in the offseason, that you know this was going to be their big ticket item. That there wasn't going to be you know just because of cap concerns, there wasn't going to be someone who came in on mm-hmm. March first or whatever. And that's certainly different now. So they absolutely become one of the leading candidates whenever you're talking about you know, win now teams that have available space that need offensive reinforcements. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They are at the top of the list. They need to, every conversation, especially in the Eastern Conference, in terms of who is going to go out and get somebody needs to start with the Carolina Hurricanes because clearly the the desire's there and the space is there. I think the most interesting, and this is maybe not tied to Carolina directly, but the Bo Horvat stuff is really interesting to me. Um, you know, Jeff Merrick, I think mentioned some, some, I think he was kind of carving out what it's going to take to get him from, from Vancouver. And it's like, they want players who can play now. They want pro, mm-hmm. they want it all. And in this case, like tw- whatever it is, 27 year old centers like Bo Horvat, like that, you can, you can have a high price I, maybe cause I'm in Detroit. I, so I always, you know, my, my ears perk up when I see the Red Wings mentioned in a, in something like this, they came out, you know, as, as. That, that, that came out this week as a potential destination. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, wow, that, that really makes a ton of sense for me. Mm-hmm. Because now here, here's, here's where the Red Wings rebuild has, I don't want to say been slow, but it, I mean, it has been, but they, you know, they never got high enough into the, to the draft to get that stud center. It was yep. always like, hey, we really like this defenseman. They Dylan, added and then everybody, they, it was Dylan yeah. Larkin and then everybody else. It was Dylan Larkin who you who you've always been like he's he's still you want that other center to go with Dylan um you know it's not and and they just haven't been able to get that as part of this but they have gotten so many other pieces um either prospect or players that are already on the roster that you can you can start to build a trade that doesn't you know that you're like this isn't going to kill them but it's exactly what the Vancouver would want to do and now all of a sudden you've got two kind of the same age centers that could win now um it's and you've got the space it 
I don't know, Sean. It seems to make a lot of sense to me. It's one of those things that it, it, when you, if you really want to take the dots or the dot connecting like one step further, I wish I would have thought of this myself, but I didn't because I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. In one of Max Bolton's, you know, pre-trade deadline analysis pieces, which are running from everybody on the site, by the way, and if you have any specific interest on a team or a specific player on a team, like those are starting to rule out, roll out. Um, Max mentioned Philip Ronick as like, you know, someone to watch, a name to watch on on the Red Wings roster, mm-hmm. and I saw that and I was like, huh, twenty five years old. Signed through twenty four, so four point four million dollars for the next two years. He's got one more R- one more RFA, you know, deal to sign. It looks like before he hits UFA, right? Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, right. And you know, I looked at that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like Ronick's having an unbelievable year. He's you know seems like he's finally leveled up in in a way that people there I think were anticipating from him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder who they trade Philip Ronick for. It didn't even mm-hmm. right didn't even register with me that he is the exact kind of player that the Vancouver Canucks are looking for, for better or worse, by the way, probably worse. Because again, Ronick's good and all that, but adding 25, 26, 27-year-olds just seems like they're kicking the can down the road on a roster that just seems tough to salvage in its current form. But whatever, that's another discussion for another time. Ronick for Horvat seems to make a lot of sense. Um, it's just interesting to me, the idea of adding, cause it's like, you kind of double up on the issue that they have with Larkin, right? No, is, and these are good mm-hmm. players. So ultimately that's, you know, whatever, who cares? They're, you're better with Bo Horvat playing center than you, than, than otherwise, but they're both kind of like one B's. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you put them together. But when you put them together, what does that mean? If you have if you have a one B playing second line minutes, mm-hmm. does that cancel out not having a true one A, right? And maybe it does. I, I they got to find these guys somehow because they are they're at a funky time at a, at a funky point in the timeline when you start to think about these guys' age and Larkin's contract status. He's a UFA, doesn't have a deal done, all, all that stuff. So the idea of teaming those two guys together is very interesting to me. I don't think this is a reason to do the deal, but let's say you're Steve Eiserman, who as we know, is going to look for any edge at any point in any, let's say, negotiation he might be getting into. And you have Dylan Larkin sitting there, uh, unsigned, and you make a huge deal. And you're probably only trading for Bo Horvat if you've talked to Pat Morris in Newport and you have a pretty good idea, you can get him done. And boom, you sign Bo Horvat. And then you go to Dylan and say, look, we love you, Dylan. But all of a sudden, you get a little more leverage than you did yesterday, don't you, Sean? You also probably set the set the market for Dylan Larkin. Yeah. You say like, we'll give you X, certainly no more than the X millions of dollars it would take to retain Bo Horvat, I would imagine. Because you create that artificial organizational cap that we've seen from plenty of successful franchises over the last however many years. Yeah, including the the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The Nick Lidstrom way, way back, way back yonder when the Red Wings were playing relevant hockey, back when you know Frankfurters only cost a nickel. <laughs> was it that long ago? It was but now dozens of years ago. And if you lose, I don't think they're going to lose Dylan Larkin. But I mean, if you do, 
now you're like you, you have you have a story for the fan base where it's like hey our goal was to have them both we just couldn't get it done um but we still you know dylan have, wouldn't take eight and a half million dollars yeah, a year yeah. like yeah. or without whatever right Mm. we love it let's just make this happen do we just yeah. decide on this i think we just traded will horvat to the detroit red wings all right good work I'll go. i'm actually on my way down to the rink after as soon as we wrap here so i can i'll if i see anybody i'll plant the seed push it. Like, just hey push, guys i have an idea have you thought of this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey i was just doing a podcast uh, <laughs> eight and a half for larkin Son i'm, I'm sure dylan would love all of this all right let's get to barry trotz though so that's it's interesting. I, we're here's the, real quick. I mean, this trade deadline stuff is always fun. Barry got me pumped for the playoffs in a way that like I hadn't even like. He's just like they're going to be yeah. so good this year. The, the whole thing's great. So let's let's just let Barry do the talking instead of us just recapping things constantly. Good. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are now thrilled to be joined by Barry Trotz from a hotel room in Manitoba. Barry, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the uh, beautiful snow that we have going here today. Yeah, yeah. We got wait. wait are, are, are you saying that it's it's snowing? It's snowing in Manitoba in January? <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Brings me right back to my my youth. Uh, so so um, we wanted to jump in. There's, I mean, there's so much. To kind of go over with you, Barry, but I, I were, I'm really interested in, you know, you've kind of said repeatedly, like, this is an important time for you to to take, to kind of take a step back and pause. And I, I don't know, I think you've, you know, assess is a word you've used. And yeah. I just wanted to talk through that process. Like, is it just like taking downtime or like, what is, what is it, what has this moment been like for you, this moment in time? Well, I think, uh, and I, I've been pretty transparent, uh, yeah. I think, to uh, most people in terms of you know i've had uh you know i'm, I'm 60. Mm. Uh, my parents are not 60 they're a lot older and uh you know uh, same with my my wife's parents and uh and the kids are growing up and and what have you i've got uh you know kids that are 30 years old now mm. and um you know when i the opportunity um uh, was presented in the you know for lots of jobs i guess i was interviewed for lots of jobs i think i i could have had a few if i uh desired i guess uh, but at the same time i really it, when you're coaching uh and i've done it for you know i go back to when i first started it'd be almost close to you know 40 years 38 years and almost 25 in the nhl with really not not much of a break mm -hmm. uh, went from one job to to the next pretty you know start out the seven 16 17 years in nashville mm -hmm. and then 
trend, uh, you know, move over to Washington and then over to the island and really haven't had a lot of breaks. And then what happens when in this business, you you tend to put your family, you know, you miss birthdays, you mm -hmm. miss a number of things. Um, and I felt really important, uh, especially this summer with uh, uh, the, our family anyways, uh, on both sides, my uh, my family and my wife said, uh, I needed to help them out. Uh, I couldn't put it on, you know, every, you need a great hockey wife and I have one. And I, I just didn't feel that uh, I could put all this on my wife and, uh, and my family and my sister and, and whatever. So um, I just felt that it was, it was time to give back to the family a little bit, if you will. And, uh, and also take some time for myself. And I had a really hard summer. I mean, I, I, I did not take any time off. Uh, usually you get about a month or five weeks uh, to a place up in British Columbia. I was there for like six days this year. Mm. Um, and, you know, so I was, I was, I was uh, working through uh, the whole time, uh, pretty well, seven days a week. And uh, I, you need a lot of energy if you're going to coach in this game because emotionally, physically with travel, emotionally with uh, expectations, uh, the stress, all the stuff that comes with, being a, a head coach in the National Hockey League, uh, you know, people think that you stand behind the bench for three hours a day, and and that's that's what you do. It's that's what you do in minor hockey. It's something you do professionally, and uh, and you live it. So, you know, a game day is you know you're you're up at you know six six thirty. You're in the office at seven thirty, and and you're already at work. And then after the game, you've got two hours of of work after the game. So it's it becomes an eighteen nineteen hour day. So um you end up putting a lot of things on the back burner uh things that you say oh i'll get to it later get to it later this summer i decided it was time to get to it yeah. so i i got to it a little bit so um but uh you know it's a blessing in disguise sometimes when you uh when you are, are let go from teams that uh, you're able to take that time and, and use it uh, the way i have so uh, i've taken that time to a get a lot of things that needed to be done uh, family wise, uh, and B, uh, you know, get yourself mentally refreshed if you want to get back into the into the business. As you were having those discussions with teams in the summer, was there any moment when you were like, "All right, this is not, this is not 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 the route I want to take for next season"? Like, what what tipped you over in, into deciding that you know that that that, that it wasn't going to be a year off? Yeah, I had. Uh, Right out, of the, right out of the gates, I had uh, uh, I had four teams in particular that uh, uh, you know basically within forty eight hours of mm -hmm. uh, of the news, I had teams you know wanting to meet and uh, and I what I did is I I said I needed a little bit of time mm -hmm. uh, to to assess really if I could pull this off uh, uh, all the things I had to get done and two uh, if you have the you know if you could get it done. Uh, is it the right situation and the uh, and the, or will you have the energy to to, to get it done with a, with a new organization? And uh, uh, the one thing that I stayed true to, I said to all four teams uh, that I had talked to that I was going to talk to all four teams. Mm. I, I just said I needed some time and uh, and a couple of teams came back and he said, you know, hey, we need to know uh, or we're going to move on. And, and I said, no, move on. Uh, right. type of thing. So, um so I, I that's that was sort of the process I went and I, I when I got towards the, uh, the you know I talked to all four teams I, I had to make a decision and be fair to uh, the teams that I was talking to uh, uh, 
that uh, mm-hmm. that I was not going to start the year coaching anyways. Is there a possibility, and I've had conversations even just coming out of COVID where people, when you're in the grind and you're in the moment, you just, you do it because it's all you know. And then when you stop, you're like, oh, hey, this isn't so bad either. Like I've had people that are like, I've had like, you know, in our profession, writers and stuff and people in, in hockey that are like, boy, just getting back at it has been a real challenge. Is there any scenario where you're like, hey, that that's really hard coaching. I Like I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think everybody, uh, no one realized how hard uh, coaching is yeah. in professional ranks. I mean, it's easy. You know, I'm sitting back this year and I'm going, this is easy. <laughs> right. You know, but, you know, this, you know, and I'm saying from, from my seat, you know, you get a bigger, bigger picture, but you don't feel the, 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 you know, the second by second pressure mm-hmm. or the, I have to read the, the Twitter and all that. I, I just watch, you know, Bruce go oh, through hell. Geez. And, uh, you know, I reached out to Bruce. I said, I don't have any interest in, you know, uh, you know, your job or anything. I, this was, you know, probably about six weeks ago. Yeah. And I said, listen, I'm watching what's going on. And I said, I, I just, sometimes you need to talk to someone outside the game just to have enough mm-hmm. voice to, to vent on. And I said, you know, here's my number. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then he really appreciated it. Uh, you just, I just thought it was, uh, it was, uh, unfair, uh, to him. Yeah. Uh, the way it was done it's unfortunate and it's you know you, you don't know that i don't know the dynamics and that organization and uh in how it was uh came about but anyways it was it was tough to watch and uh, i think everybody recognized that so i just wanted to reach out and uh and uh, to him and it's you know when you're sitting on this side of the the fence it's easy to coach it's easy to um uh, criticize it's easy to to do all that and uh you know uh when you're in the when you know i there's some things that i know in the business and i'm watching you know uh analysts and and people in the in the uh the media just tearing into someone and i'm going they don't even know they have no idea and and you, you, as coaches you want to be as transparent as you can but sometimes you just got to take it and, and eat it and you know, uh, and protect your players. So, um, it, it's, that's, that's part of the business. So, um, it's been, it's sort of refreshing to, to sit back and, and watch. I've never been on this side for, uh, and it's been my choice, which has been great. I mean, it, <laughs> yes. it wasn't my choice and it might be a little, I might be saying it a little differently, but, uh, uh, to this point it has been my choice. So I'm, uh, I'm taking the time and, uh, I've done, you know, really, I didn't get my, I'll just say my summer started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most times you get your summer started, you know, you know, you get June, July and, you know, part of August. And then you're about August 10th. You're like, okay, I got to get right. yeah. pulling here and, and getting things. And I wasn't, I, I really wasn't to that point till almost Christmas time this year, just because I had so much on the plate. So um, I was able to get away at Christmas time and uh, I've got one more trip uh, next week. and. Going over to Europe and then oh. go from there. Beautiful. So you you mentioned reaching out to Bruce. I, how much? How much of that was just was you feeling compelled to do it just because of you know the connection that people drew with you and in, in the Canucks over the summer? Like, were you? How much of that was you know? Okay, just just so you know, like 
I'm not over here campaigning. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not involved here because because it was because that was even at that point there were there were people who were connecting dots that maybe weren't there. Oh yeah, every every time that there's a uh, something in British Columbia, like I have a, I have a home there, and everybody sort of assumes that. But uh, uh, I just know that I, there was not there was nothing to. I just felt I as a coach, as an older coach in the in the league, um, you see other people in your business. And I, I know Bruce a little, little bit. We have the same representative, but I don't know Bruce as well as, you know, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, but I, I do know Bruce through the, through the business a little bit. And I just, I just felt that it was the right thing to reach out because, you know, when you get fired, um, no one wants to reach out to you a whole <laughs> lot other than, than uh, uh, reporters and, and, you know, what went wrong and what do you, you know, do you have any, any, uh, Bad, you know, ill will, if you will. Hey, we're here for uh, you to to dump on the uh, the team that just fired you. That's a very yeah, valuable role. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I just felt that uh, you know it was the right thing, just as because you're in this business, and as a I'll say an older voice, just mm-hmm. like you know, like uh, like I'm good friends with you know Ken Hitchcock, and, and you know uh, over the we always do uh, he lives out in British Columbia in the summer, and I. We always meet and do these hockey one-on-one type things, you know, what's the new trends. And uh, he's always a good voice to, to reach out to and talk to because he's, the, you know, he doesn't have skin in the game, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. And uh, when Bruce was going through that, I just felt that it was something that Hitch would reach out when I was stressed out over the years and, and say, hey, you know, you just need someone to talk to. I'm here and they give him a call. And uh, I felt that it was something that, uh, you know, was uh, I needed to do just, just as a, human how mm-hmm. like you know without without knowing what's going what happened there in vancouver there there was obviously i don't think there's a disconnect between you know the manager and the coach and whatever that looks like how did you that happens right like that happens sometimes where maybe it's not their guy or 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 things just there's a different difference in philosophy through the years as a coach how did you like part of it is managing your manager right like how did what was your approach in doing that to, to make sure the communication's even if it, you weren't seeing eye to eye, was still there. Yeah, well, I think uh, you know, and everybody can speculate what happened in, in, with with Bruce and Vancouver, all that. We don't know right. the dynamics. Not gonna, I'm yeah. not gonna judge. It, it was mm-hmm. bad. Uh, optically, as everybody has said. So I don't think there's. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Um, do you try to manage that? Uh, I think I was very fortunate. I had uh, David Boyle. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started in the National Hockey League, and um, you know, we started out on an expansion team. So we were, there was a lot of communication. I had a, a year before we started, but I always felt that having, uh, letting your manager know what you're thinking, uh, any conversations that you had with players to be, um, to have the communication not only go um, horizontally to your coaches, the other coaches, but also to your management. You know, vertically, you, you have to let your manager know uh, you know, you had a conversation with a player. Uh, maybe he's not playing well, and you 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 you, you talk to him, and you're you're trying to push him to the to the level that you feel he can get to. And um, you you better communicate that to your to your manager because the last thing you want your manager to get a call from the agent and say, "Hey, you're, you're coach and you're my player," and not not seeing eye to eye, and you know we want out. That's you don't want that. I think it's communications the key to to anything, and it's as simple as reaching out every day. You know, uh, even uh, at the start of the day or at the end of the day, and 
and having a, a, a coffee or a, at least a phone call with, uh, with your manager, just so, just so he knows how your a, how your day went, what you're thinking and, uh, B, if there was anything that, uh, popped up. And then at the same time, uh, you know, it is the, you know, a lot of times you say, you know, you give the, the coach, the team, um, but it really is the manager's team. You're, 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 you know, you can put your stamp on in terms of style, but um, management puts the players in place, and uh, you want to have the same vision. You know, if you're if you're, the manager is trying to create a an offensive juggernaut, if you will, or a wide open style of play type of team, and he's drafting and they're they're filling a roster with that, and then you 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 put in a you know uh, a, a real strong defensive coach who. Um, you know, doesn't want any, <laughs> any, uh, you know, <laughs> put it in deep every time. Yeah. I mean, you need balance, you know, uh, there's teams out there that are, are really good, strong offensively, but you just need a balance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so you try to find that balance. And as a coach, I've always tried to coach the roster rather than, you know, I'm probably known as a defensive coach because I've fixed a lot of those problems. Yeah. Uh, my last couple teams that I've had. Um, but, uh, I've coached, you know, you know, pretty offensive teams in, in, uh, in Nashville and, uh, in Washington, Nashville, when we, you know, we had guys like Korea and, you know, Arnott and Sullivan and, and, uh, you know, if you think about Nashville, I was there a long time. The one thing that's very, very common in Nashville is active defense. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I always felt, you know, I tried to do it with the roster. We did the same thing and in uh in washington i had a total different problem in in with in the island is they were bad defensively so we had to <laughs> reel it in quite a bit and uh, we knocked off 100 goals the first year which uh, yeah. they weren't uh, they weren't bad defensively for all that long when you got there for the <laughs> yeah you know so <laughs> you, you got good pretty quick <laughs> yeah you you try to coach the roster um and also uh you know it, people tend to say well um, you know, as coaches, the, the bottom line is the NHL is in a winning business. You know, you're judged on wins and losses. You can talk about development all you want, but, you know, there's certain players maybe on your team that are younger players, high draft choices that you, you want to develop, but you're judged on win and wins and losses. And that's mm -hmm. pretty well it. Yeah. Uh, right. no matter what, uh, um, organizations say, Hey, we're not developing or, whatever developments really in the minor leagues and winnings in the national league is, um, and it's hard to make the playoffs. I will say this, it is hard. Uh, people don't realize that, uh, how hard it is just to get in. And once you get in, uh, you know, how hard it is to win the whole thing. I was very fortunate to, to win it and been, have been there, but, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you. I'd say the, uh, I know uh, you had mentioned the bubble. It was it was interesting because I when I went to uh, the island, we had uh, we went to the conference uh, finals twice, and both in the restrictive, uh, you know, in the number one in the bubble, and in the second year was uh, when we had the uh, the the new division alignment uh, where we just played the you know basically the eight teams that you were in your conference. So. Um, it, it it mentally the I know the bubble year and the uh, the next year that was hard that was hard mentally because you were restricted yeah uh, in so many so many levels um, 
but that it, uh, you know, when you did get some freedom, you were like, I remember coming out of the bu- bubble, true story. Uh, we lost out in Edmonton and, and, uh, my family was in British Columbia and it was really strange. Uh, you know, uh, we lost out and they got you out of the hotel within 24 yeah, hours. They were whisking <laughs> people out of there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> taking you out. And, um, helicopter lifts outside. Yeah, oh yeah. Guys are like, okay. And we, we lost. And then the guys are like, we got to leave at seven in the morning now. You know, they're kicking us out. Um, and I know why they were talking to me about a flight and I, I felt sort of squirmish about a flight mm-hmm. going into, I, I really did. So I, I said, just rent me a car. I'll drive to British Columbia. So, <laughs> um, it was actually, uh, it was actually a great drive. It's beautiful. I bet. Uh, yeah, I was going through, you know, in, this, in the, in the spring, like you're, you're, yeah. you're fine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so anyways, it, it, uh, it, it was refreshing because I got to see that the world was a little bigger than just a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, re- that, that part was refreshing and it allowed me slowly to get into, uh, um, regular society, if you will. It's funny, Barry, you talk about how hard it is to a, make the playoffs, B, win. And I the example I always use is you, that Capitals team. Like I was in Columbus when it went into overtime. I, somebody hit a post. I think Panarin or somebody hit a post. Or, yeah. we're, mm-hmm. we're talking an inch and it's a completely different story. And it, yeah. like then from there, it's it's history. That Now all we remember is, yeah. you know, the Capitals won and Ovi got his and whatever. We're drinking out of t-shirts. It, but yeah. like one inch, we're talking. It's crazy. It is. It's. I got a great story for you. Um, it, the, when we lost twice in overtime to Columbus, and we went to Game Three, and we won. I think in double yeah, overtime. Double, overtime. double mm-hmm. overtime, and we won that game. I walked into our coach's room, and I said, "You know what, guys? We're going to win Stanley Cup. Get out of here." <laughs> is that true? And um, it is a true story. And I can tell you, my coaches looked at me like I was an alien. And they said, settle down, settle down, big boy. You know, we won one game. I go back to, um, you know, we uh, to a couple of years uh, previous. So uh, during the All Star break, I ended up taking my family out to the Bahamas, and uh, I think it was Atlantis. And uh, I ran great, by the way, great place. Yeah, and uh, I ran into Jacques Lemaire. So I had won. We had with Washington. They had a good team, and we were trying to get through that that the mental. Hum, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, to, to, you know, we had lost to um, Pittsburgh two years in a row. Us and Pittsburgh were sort of, you know, vying for the president's trophy and then vying for the, you know, uh, to go on. And they beat us twice and went on to win two cups. And, um, and that was hard. It was hard mentally because you, you felt you're right there and we just couldn't get by him. I'm looking for the key. And so I'm talking to, uh, uh, you know, during the World Cup, uh, this on the staff, you know, I was asking, asked Mike Babcock and, uh, you know, Claude Julian and uh, Joel Quinville was on staff. You know, we'd sit there after, uh, in, you know, having a glass of wine and, and uh, you know, talking after or between games. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, what was, how'd you guys, what was the key to, you know, winning a cup? Cause, you know, and it was story after story of, you know what, we should have lost in the first round. We hit the post and, you know, we came back and we won the game and then we, we rolled from there. You know, you think about, uh, I think, uh, LA had, uh, Chicago on the ropes uh, one year. 
Um, it was story after story about, you know, we should have lost. Uh, I talked to Terry Crisp, who's with the, uh, who's become a good friend, obviously, with the Predators over the years. And he says, we should have lost to Vancouver in the first round the year they won the Cup. Uh, you know, I think he says Rick Lance hit the post, I think it was, and they would have lost. And uh, we'd never have that story. So I get to, to uh, the Bahamas and I run into Jacques Lemaire of all places. And I said, Jacques, you know, if you're here, I, I wouldn't mind sitting down with you for a coffee. So yeah, we, we arranged to have coffee. We sit down and, and um, I'm talking to Jacques. He said, you know, I've got a good team. I think we can win the cup, but I just, is there, you know, I'm looking for that, that edge, you know, and I said, you want some cups, you know, what was, what was the one thing that, that, you know, if you could think about all the cups you've won and, uh, you know, as a coach, do you, is there something that, you know, really allowed you to win? And he looked at me and he thought for a second and he, he says, we didn't have to play the Islanders. Hmm. We could never beat the Islanders. And I was like, I was waiting for this nugget, <laughs> right. you know, and, uh, but, but what he was telling me <laughs> when you, when lucky you once you win it is that you need a little bit of luck mm -hmm. and, you know, the, every story was, we were, we were this close to being out mm -hmm. and we were able to turn that, that into something positive. And then we just build off of it. Um, he said, you know, we didn't, we had the route where they, they, the Islanders were in their head. Yep. They didn't have to play the Islanders, so they always felt like they could always win. And he was saying, "You, you've got it. There's going to be, you know, adversity and things. It's how you respond, and you got to stay in the moment." And that was the one thing that everybody says: you have to stay on the moment, no matter what happens. You just got to get up. And uh, one of the things I talked about uh, the year we won the cup is, um, you know, uh, I had a friend who uh, climbed Everest. Um, he had two two attempts at climbing Everest, and uh, the thing that he uh, he said to I, I brought him in, and he said it to our group, and we used it as a little bit of theme. Um, he was asked by reporters, "Do you have what it takes to climb Everest?" Hmm. And he says, "That's why I'm going back." Hmm. And uh, we use that that theme that year is that's why we were going to find out if we had it. Yeah, and we did. And uh, when we hit the post and we won, and uh, or, uh, they hit the post and we won in double overtime, I knew that was it. I absolutely knew mm. we were going to win the cup because oh, it was it was one of those things that uh, that you just know you know inside, and I felt it. And there was a real calm then to the rest of the playoffs for me. It really was. Mm. I knew we were going to win the whole time, even in the uh, the Tampa series. Uh, you know, we knocked off almost every block that was uh, that Washington ever. You know, you know, you lose mm -hmm. two games at home, you never win a series. You know, right. it was one thing after another. We we go into Tampa and we win both game one and game two. They would come back and win three straight. Then we have to win game six and seven. And uh, I was calm through the mm -hmm. whole thing. Uh, it was. Uh, I just knew. I I, I knew. And we had, a, we had such a great group. Oh yeah. How do you frame that concept for the players? The the idea of luck playing such a such a role. You're like, all right, boys, like this is like we got our we got our break. Every, everything's everything's gravy from here on out. Like how do you, how do you communicate? How do you communicate no, I, that with I, I them? I think I I think when you believe in something so so strongly, people can see. Yeah, it. I bet you they felt you it. Know, very. I, I think people 
people can feel mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you've, we've all been there, you know, in, in sport or in life that, you know, when someone's saying something they they, they're in yeah. and yeah. they believe it and they know it. And it's, it's a lot easier, um, when there's that conviction conviction there and then our, our players bought in we had fun with it i told them um you know uh, there was a lot of things you know a guy like Ovi, um you know and and backstrom who have had they had a lot of um disappointment great players and i think when i came to the realization and was able to convey to them the real, realization that you, no one's going to be defined uh or you shouldn't be defined by um, especially great players like Ovi and Backy, um, by, uh, by a piece of steel, mm-hmm. silver. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't, uh, because life is, you know, I said, you know, everybody wants to be Alex Ovechkin. You grow up, how many kids, you know, tie their, you got the yellow lace around, you know, and they tuck their jersey in and they, you know, you're using his stick and his mannerisms. And I says, the impact you've had, you're not going to be defined. Uh, uh, in your career, you're going to be defined as a Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, and someone who changed, who saved hockey, him and Sid saved hockey. So conveying to them that it was about the journey, not necessarily the 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 medal. It was the journey and, and getting them to understand that the journey is going to be really hard, but also um, when it's all said and done, uh, yeah, you have a ring and, and you've got, you know, pictures and all that. But I can guarantee you, everybody can tell you about all the funny things and all the hard things on that on that journey. And uh, the end is the is the prize. You've got to say that to the world that, hey, we've done it. But inside anybody who's ever won, it's the journey and the uh, the tight-knit group that you had and that is what's um that's what uh, uplifts you you know your uplifts your spirit a little bit um you know like i i have a stanley cup ring it's been on my finger once no twice twice once when the uh, the caps gave it to me and and twice when my uh when i showed it to my family and uh, and that's the uh, it, that, you know, that's that's it. And I would say a lot of players, you know, same thing. They they have it on for. Uh, I always I always uh, I always laugh. The people who have really won it, been in the fight, you know, uh, day in and day day out, the twenty players, the trainers, coaches, all that. You never see them wearing a ring. That you see all the all the other people yeah. on the outside. Yeah, you see the guy <laughs> that barely got one's got. I would. I, yeah, I'll be I honest. One, if I ever I got, got one, it wouldn't leave my hand. <laughs> yeah, and that's how that's. I always I always chuckle that's about funny. that. It's the, the the people that have really earned it and yeah. uh, and have done all the you know the heavy lifting. They never wear never the wear ring it. because the the ring is really the journey. Mm. It's that, that you know it's it's here mm. and. Uh, and the other people who are a little more on the outside, but were a part of it, they always wear. It That's great, and they're proud. You <laughs> yeah, should, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but it's, uh, you know, that's what that's what uh, you see all the time. That's great. That's awesome. Well, la- last thing from me, Barry. I, I just you mentioned Ovi. How different is it watching him now, maybe as a fan or as an observer, versus being in the 
battle with them, right? Where you're trying to get them to do things or whatever it is. Do you is it do you have a different appreciation when you're just like, hey, I'm just going to watch them fire up goals or how, what is it like watching them now from your perspective? I, I just think I, I just think I, I'm very fortunate to have been a part of greatness. Yeah, uh, I took a lot of flack when I said he was the uh, you know the greatest goal scorer of all time when I first said that when I got there. Uh, I think you've been proven. I, yeah, yeah, and uh, I took a lot of flack from uh, you know north of the border. Um, I also said I think he's been the he's probably the most physical superstar that I've I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. You know, since you know uh, even more physical than I think I said like Mark Messier and and uh, took a lot of flack for that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, he is he's exceptional. You I don't know if you'll see a guy like him again because of the durability factor um you know he's uh you know he's been someone who's uh had impact on the game i mean the, the game through the lockout him and sid really carried the game for a long time it was a you know he was always the evil empire if you will uh you know, he was the bad guy and sid was the good guy now they're i think when you look at it it's come full circle and and uh you know ovi is uh you know it's like uh, uh you know Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I mean, they're both, uh, you know, they're there and they're they've been they jump some, jump off a cliff together. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I think you you see that uh, uh, he's he's really uh, he's a special player that we're getting to see now. Both him and Sid. I mean, you called him one of the great goal scorers of all time when you coach him, but like, there's a difference between that and now we're seeing him. You know, he's at the top of a lot. He's, he's moving towards the top of a lot of lists, as we all know, right? He's hitting big round numbers. Like, oh, what, yeah. what, what was your thought when you're like, okay, it, when you were coaching him, were you ever like, I think there's a chance this guy could finish first or second all the time in goals, aside from just being like, you know, as skilled as he was and as productive as he was, like, oh, yeah. to be yeah. at the top of the list? Yeah, you know, when I when I was there, and this is, you know, you're, we're talking, uh, you know, five, six years ago now, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and that seemed like it was a long way away, yeah. but it wasn't impossible because it was a durability. Mm-hmm. He would be knocking on the door right now if it wasn't for lockouts. And, lockouts. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think uh, Gretz ever had a lockout season when he played. You'd have to look. Uh, I don't know. If yeah, the, the, the one in 95, but that was only, that was only those 30 games. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a real long one. You know, always missed two sort of full seasons. And then he, and then he got shortened by, uh, you know, the, the, the 58 game schedule mm-hmm. or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and the 48 one year. So, um, you know, he'd be knocking on the door right now, you know. Um, but uh, he'll play uh, durability wise. The release is there. Um and one thing I know about Ovi, when when he gets focused on something, he's pretty hard to stop. Mm. You know, he really is. Uh, and that's uh, that's the, the great ones are when they get something in their in their mind that they're going to get accomplished. They usually do. So I'm betting on Ovi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not a bad bet. <laughs> yeah, not a bad bet. Yeah, R- real dangerous. Eh? Uh, well, I mean, he's smart smart money is still money. Yeah. I guess it's fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, Barry, yeah, my last, oh, go ahead, Sean. Wait, wait oh, well, hold I'm on. I'm trying we, to ramp it up. We got Barry. Like, we got out. No, we got, we got, uh, we got to ask one more. Are you, are you, are you feeling, are you feeling charged up? Do you feel like you're, you're where you need to be after the break to, to maybe get back at it next year if the situation's right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've talked to a few teams, a couple teams, even that, you know, during the winter here have reached out to me and sure, and, uh, sure. And I said, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going back, uh, you know, so I'm going to go back, uh, you know, I'm, I'm refreshed and I got, uh, as I said, I'm going over to Europe, uh, 
uh, with uh, with my wife and some friends. And uh, when I get back, uh, you know, I, I'm I'll be charged up. I, I just I felt like a middle of, middle of December, and we're almost looking at uh, you know getting close to February here. So I'm I, I feel like I'm, I've accomplished what I needed to accomplish, and I'm uh, I've been staying on top of the league and staying refreshed. So uh, either at uh, you know in the spring or, or next year, we'll we get back at it. Hopefully. If they still want me. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I think they, they probably right will. There. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> well, Barry, thanks for doing this. Good to see you. Uh, enjoy Europe. Where are you going? Any, any uh, big uh, Israel. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. enjoy that. That's a that's an incredible trip. And uh, and I'm sure we'll see you back at the rink before too long. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, guys. <laughs> never know. You never know in this business. <laughs> you kind of know. It's, it's a great <laughs> I think we kind of know. <laughs> I watch Bruce, and I and I can say this with all all due respect to everybody. Uh, what Bruce was going through, it's a great, such a great game. The people in the game are mm-hmm. are great; they really are, and uh, and and the fans are. You saw saw how the fans yeah, that was awesome. Uh, send them, you know, sent them off. I guess um, you know he's right. It's it's the this game is the best game and the worst game in the world yeah. at times, you know, it's, it's business. And, uh, uh, it's the season has been fantastic. There's some great teams and, uh, it's been enjoyable to watch. And I think the playoffs are going to be spectacular this year. I really mm-hmm. do because I mean, people don't realize the best team in the, the worst team in the national hockey league, no matter who that is, it's going to win one out of three games. Mm-hmm. And they usually beat a good team, which every mm-hmm. drives fan base is crazy. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you have to be on because there's, you know, winning a president's trophy and finishing eighth in the uh, in the conference is winning one more game a month. That's about wow. it. Is that it? I've never thought of it in those terms. Jeez. I've never, I've, I've never done it. that math. I think it should check out. The <laughs> president's trophy is usually, you know, 100 and... 1216 this boston may blow that yeah, out of the water but yeah. you know and the team making the playoffs is usually 95 so it's about one game a month that's about it you know it's, and it's crazy because you get off to a great start uh you know you could have the president's trophy but you could have a team that's finishing eighth who's got off to a slow start they're but coming. they're not they're coming so there's not much difference between uh that and think about colorado if they finish eighth. Yeah, you want that team in the first round? <laughs> no, thanks. I just watched the other day. They're, they're going to be just fine. I don't think they're going to finish eighth, but can, that, can you imagine that? There's a, there's you know, you know, there's your prize for finishing first. It feels like they're coming for sure. Yeah, they're, they're, I watched them the other day. Uh, they're, they're just starting to, they're starting to pick their feet up yep. now. They're going. Gonna is there any team other than is there any team other than other than the Bruins that you've watched this year and just been like this? Yeah, is, I would this, be curious. Like, this, who's been most impressive you know, from your? Who's, who's, well, who's you your know, most who's been really impressive to me, and I I, I like I like the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you think about the Kraken. Uh, they they drafted a lot of people with uh, good character. They could skate. Their defense was really strong. I know Philip Grubauer had an off year. There's a different pressure when you you sign that big contract and and all that. Um, and they just didn't have enough offense, so. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but the, all of a sudden you get veneers and you add Burkowski and Bergstrom and, um, and, and missing some guys. And they've added those guys. They've added like five. Oh, they didn't have Tanov last yeah, year. They've added, like five. they've added basically two lines to their team. 
you know, offensive guys. And uh, they're, you know, Hack has got them playing, you know, solid on both sides of the uh, of the uh, the puck and they can hurt you. There's not one guy that hurts you. They all hurt you, you know. They sort of chip away at you. So they, they've been very impressive. Um, you know, I, I think Toronto's good. No one gives Toronto any credit for how good defensively they've been. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I, I think there's people are starting to recognize it, but I, I saw it last year. I, they were really pretty good defensively. Um, you know, in the playoffs, what you see is uh, teams that are going to get in that have to go on, uh, you know, they're playing at that, that hundred percent level, if you will, or close to it all year to get in. When the playoffs come, they don't have that extra level. You know, and then there's teams that, you know, they'll have that extra level that, that have sort of been really quiet about their year and they're going to have a good playoff. So, uh, you know what they, they feel like to me, Barry, like exactly what you were talking about with your Washington. I feel like they need that first round. The puck goes in off someone's like leg and they get a, they, they get a mm-hmm. lucky win or whatever it takes. Right. And then something snaps and then the Leafs just go on this huge run. Like, I feel like that's we're we're in that moment of yeah. time with Toronto. Yeah, I think with Toronto, what the thing that I saw with them last year that I know that they're they're trending to having success and getting through the the first round is you saw the commitment level in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there was their mm-hmm. stars were blocking shots. They're you know they they had to they, they you know they got their noses dirty a little more often. They they made the simple play when they had to. They didn't try to force things, and uh, you know you you look back. Uh, to the year we we're in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you remember, I think uh, Tampa Bay lost out the year before in an early round. Yep. And uh, and you can see when players make the adjustments, I think Kucherov had the, uh, and this is this is how a player grows, and that's why, where I'm trying to go with this, is mm-hmm. Kuch w- wouldn't dump the puck in ever. I mean, he would try to make that play. Uh, the next year, when we played them in the bubble and they won the cup, uh, a guy like Cooch led led the whole uh, uh, sort of the playoffs in getting mm-hmm. pucks deep, hmm. if you will, either through entry with possession or by putting it in, hmm. which is the adjustment in his game. And uh, that tells me when teams are, are learning to win is they are learning to adjust. Mm-hmm. They're learning what's what's valuable. They're not just going, Oh, I've done this all my life. I'm going to continue to do it. They go, you know, this is a different animal. So I've got to treat it differently. Mm. And uh, good players do that. And they seem to where winning Trump's stats, if you will, or their game, they, they put the team first and, and guy like Cooch, I, I saw that. And I was like, when we were playing them, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a tough out. <laughs> they were tough out anyways. <laughs> They were a tough Uh-oh. one. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. he's getting it. There's yeah. a difference. There's a difference in his game, and uh, uh, you see that. I, I thought I saw that uh, last year with uh, some the of the, 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 the Leafs. I mean, you, you see, Mar- I like Marner's game, and Marner's playing the 200 foot game. I mean, he's mm-hmm. first on the forecheck, first on the back check. I mean, your stars are doing it. You're gonna have you have a chance to have success. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of good players in this league right now. The skill is stupid. The Leafs, the Leafs fan base is going to be thrilled to see this. Barry, Barry Trotz is signing off on on Toronto's uh, d- defensive forward work. Let's go. Well, you know, I, I'm signing off is that they're learning to win. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. I'm not signing off on the Leafs because there's a team mm -hmm. like Boston there and yeah. you get a team like Tampa there. Still, so Tampa's yeah, still pretty good. Still, still. Anyone, yeah. but, <laughs> but I'm I'm saying great competition, uh, great teams like uh, like Tampa who have learned to win, and in Boston who's had a winning tradition. Uh, Toronto's learning from that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. I know if you're a Toronto fan, it's it's death by a thousand sometimes uh, over the years but you'll break through it'll break through you're it'll happen I, I don't know what'll happen this year but it'll happen um you know it, it just will because uh players are proud and they and they learn to adjust good players the great players do and i i know they have uh some really good players and uh you got good leadership and you know it'll, that's why i say the playoffs will be fantastic this year it's gonna be fun yeah yep they will all right, Barry. Well, All thanks right. for doing this again. Good to see you. All right. And we'll catch up later when you get back, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> never know. <laughs> like I said, I, I think we're, I think, I think, we, like, you can't say it, but we can. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll be, you'll be back. <laughs> All right. You guys take care. Thanks. Thanks for it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the time. time. Yeah. Anytime, guys. All right. All right. Thanks, Rutsy. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Barry Trotz. Always and forever a great conversation. Um, do you think he's being humble when he says, oh, maybe I won't be, you know, maybe people won't be interested? Or is there any, like, part of him that's like, if you're out of the game for a year, maybe maybe it's not going to look the same this summer as it did last summer. I wonder, like, I always wonder that. I realized that after the fact when he was like, yeah, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll talk to you guys, like, whatever. And we both immediately were like, well, yeah, of course somebody's going to hire you. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He sounded pretty, he sounded pretty satisfied with, uh, with, with his year off. <laughs> Maybe yeah, May rolls around and he's like, I think I kind of want to do it. I changed my mind. I kind of want to do this again. I, I kind of want to hang out for another season. That was my, he never really answered it, but that was my question. Like, is there a scenario here where you're like, Hey, this is pretty great. I mean, he's, I don't know when he gets paid through, but like, it's, I mean, I in all in all I, in all seriousness, coaching's I, hard. Why I tacked on that one at the end, like like a jerk, but I wanted him to say, like, "Oh yeah, I'm I want to come back next season." And yeah, he, and he, I thought that he, was he came as he that's as close that's as close as we were going to get as him to saying, "I'll be back for sure," because he's a smart man and he's been doing this for like he said, he's been a coach for forty years and in the N in the NHL for almost two and a half decades, so he's not going to get hemmed in anywhere. He's he's been around the block a time or two. All right, coming up next, the best segment in sports, media. <laughs> That's what it is. We'll be right back. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
This is the only good segment on the show. Dive into the comments. Address your concerns. Share your abuse. Mm. Online bullying of Greg and I. A little bit. The height stuff. Come on. People. Yeah. This is your fault. This is your fault. You got people thinking both of us are little boys. <laughs> Not really true. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Jimmy L asks, and here's the here's the level <laughs> of research and uh and focus that goes into the segment. Jimmy L's question. If the Blackhawks get the first overall pick, would it be the first time one city has multiple first overall picks in the same like in the same draft year? Because it's going to happen for the Bears, and it's possibly going to happen for the Blackhawks. Hmm. Uh, he says, "I know this is a hockey pod, but I feel like it's a first in American sports." I did a scan, like just a quick scan, and it definitely hasn't happened uh, in a long time. That's for sure. Um, the other issue at the moment is that the Chicago Blackhawks no longer have the best odds. I don't know if people are paying attention to this, but they're no longer the leader in the Bedard tank fest. They are, in fact, third. They're behind Anaheim and Columbus, who both have 31 points in a 660 uh, points percentage. Chicago is a whole point ahead of them, but also has a couple games in hand. They're 6-4-0 in their last 10 which, boy, it's worth remembering, I think, just how drastically enormous the odds are for the f- number one pick to, for or for the worst regular season team to get the number one pick. Yeah, it's gotten really, people forget. It's wild. It's wild to look at this in 25.5% chances for the Anaheim, to, for the Anaheim Ducks to, to win the lottery and end up drafting. What's his face? Which is crazy. A 13.5 for Columbus at the moment, 11.5 for Chicago. That's crazy. So we need to like, this is, and it's fun trivia and it would be fun to see the Bears and the, in the, uh, the Bears and the Blackhawks maybe both take swings around, around the same time, but gosh almighty, 25.5%. Aren't the Bears trading down anyways if they get the or with yeah, their they're since they already down. have a quarterback? They have, they have Justin yeah. Fields. It's a matter of whether of how much people like, you know, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I would imagine they could trade that to some other or anybody really. But you would think like some quarterback desperate team, Carolina Panthers or somebody, gives them the Godfather offer like we've 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 seen it in the past. So who do you think goes second uh, in the NFL draft, John? And third, probably uh, Let's, probably you want that to run defensive the first round real quick here. Help yeah, ratings? there's a. There's that defensive lineman from 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 Georgia because they're uh-huh. always they're always they're always is one. They've always got one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying oh, to remember. I know, a wide I know, receiver I know from Alabama. Dane, I know Dane had Dane Brugler, our NFL draft expert. I know he had Bryce Young as the number one pick before. And the other QB that I know people like is a kid from Kentucky, which is just wild to me. And then there is an edge rusher from Alabama. I am now looking at. I am now looking at the list. Jalen Carter. Def- you don't have Jalen Carter. Yeah. Jalen. I was trying to. I was only trying to find the Georgia defensive lineman that I brought up. It's Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. For whatever it's worth, I tankathoned just one time to see what happened in the Blackhawks one with their eleven point five. It's really funny chances. after me sitting there and droning on for forty five seconds about how bad this is 
for Chicago to finish third instead of first. Ooh, San Jose, who I'm about to go see. Just I just hit with them. That'd be fun. You see Corey? I'm going to go see Corey. Go have a chat. Uh, William S., it's a longer message. It's the first comment, so you all can go read it. But he he has an issue with the Mount Rushmore of hockey. I, I don't know. Did we rush? Did we reference this, or is this in general? I think it's, it's come up a lot, where everyone says you got you know we're guilty Gretzky of or that. You and then you know what's, the, what's you funny know what I mean? is we, we complain yeah. about the we complain about the Rushmore thing and then fall back on it way too often. We haven't done. We joke about it with the Apple Pod, but I don't think we've ever. I can't remember the last time we did a Mount Rushmore of anything. It's pretty American, though, I guess. Um, but William S. has a proposal that, I mean, it at least would give us some more flexibility. He proposes the Last Supper of hockey. Three times as many spots we can fill. I don't know how many people are in the Last Supper painting. Why are they all facing the camera? That's what I'd like to know about the Last Supper. They didn't sit around the table? Was it a photo? It's like it's like questions. it's like in that seventies show whenever <laughs> they're eating in their kitchen and there's always a spot like nobody sits on one side yeah. of the of, of the of the round uh, kitchen table. Because nobody want to be across from Jesus directly. Judas probably did. You, you, you know what would be funny about the what? Judas joke? I didn't see Take that coming. Out. <laughs> Take them out. <laughs> funny thing is, is if I will say if we do shift to the Last Supper of hockey. I look forward to all to all of us just assuming that Rain, that Wayne Gretzky takes over the Jesus role and not having to vote on who actually on, on who on well, who else may be a candidate. Isn't there somebody whose nickname is McJesus that's in the conversation? I hate that. By the way, yeah, I hate I that. I hate that nickname. Is it your Catholic upbringing? <laughs> it's my twelve years of Catholic schooling. Uh, ble- bleeding out. Yeah, it's uh, sacrilege. Do you think no, Connor I just don't likes get, it? I just Connor don't get can't it. like it. Who knows? Have we asked him that? Does he like or dislike anything? I mean, I'm sure he has certain well. stuff. <laughs> yeah, he does. He likes and dislikes certain things. Yeah, we do know that. Um, Bruce G points out the cigarette capital of North Carolina is oh, Winston yeah. Salem. That was from our, I think, Kingston talk. We were talking about the cigarette capitals. Did I? Well, shit. Did, did, did I say Raleigh Durham or something? I think I used the wrong. Yeah. Come on, um, Sean. Know your tobacco. God knows I do. Uh, <laughs> there was I I really should have known that because there was like all sorts of Winston Salem stuff, um, or all sorts of cigarette related stuff in Winston Salem. Like there was definitely uh, roadside attractions, and I feel like maybe in Virginia and in North Carolina, there's for sure like the world's largest pack of cigarettes or something on on the side of the road. It's a big part of the culture down there. I do I do regret making that mistake. Okay. Not about not about uh, Kingston though. Who gives a shit about them? Mm, I agree with that. Christopher Sean, B. This is from, this, oh, go this ahead. Is from, go. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You just this took from, too long, so I was going to jump in. Yeah, I know. It's from Marvolo. Sean used the word slagging three times in the first five minutes of the pod. What? This word needs to be added to the banned words list. Oh, the banned words list. We is got. Back. We, we need to. We need to. Re, we need to refresh that one. Michael K says just ban all Western PA words, which I the implication is that slagging is Western Pennsylvania slang. I don't believe that is true, but it certainly is a word that I use too much. Slagging. Uh, you did use it. I eh? I don't even know if I heard that. I it goes in one. I don't. Do really you just have those days like where 
you can like I can feel it happening when I'm just using the same word like over and mm. over and over again. Where and it's happening more and more to me now that I'm doing more podcasts. But I'm like, wow, I said I said I said slagging too much this week in yeah. my six hours of podcast content that I've that I've that I've produced. And the commenters so. will call you out on it. A hundred percent. It's like they slam me for that for the pronunciation of during a, a couple a couple weeks during. ago. During. During. <laughs> Former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Chris Doring. Doring, isn't there's an E and an H in there as well. If you'd like to leave a comment, this is just a reminder. As Sean picks out the next one, go to the Athletic app, click on the Listen tab, find the Athletic Hockey Show, figure out which are was our last episode. In this case, it will be the Barry Trotz episode. Click mm-hmm. on Details, then go into the comment section and leave a comment, and we may or may not read it. Super easy. And always remember, you can use emojis in your comments. So if there's, yeah. you want to send the middle finger, go for it. Don't do that. Poop emoji. No, no. Sure. We've got enough emojis elsewhere. Skull. On Slack. Max Z hey, says, Max. are you telling me Craig isn't six foot two? He's got the voice of a tall king. Uh, we all know Sean's deal. This is what Max said. <laughs> My deal <laughs> is that I, uh, that, I, that, that I am, in fact, taller than Velvet Pipes Customs over there. Don't let the Don't let the voice fool you. Yeah, I do get a lot of, hey, you're shorter. You're shorter than uh, I would have thought. And I'm like, these people don't that's have what, experience. That's the first thing you're going to say to me. I said, hey, rude. Max, it's Mac. Maxi. Sorry, Mac. <laughs> Maxi. Maxi. Is it like Cormac? Because we call Cormac Mac sometimes. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe it's Cormac. Maybe he's weighing cool, in. Cool, then, yeah. <laughs> Cormac Zebediah Customs. That's where the Z comes from. <laughs> people clearly I- haven't seen, they, they have minimal time with, um, play-by-play guys who I feel like are so often tiny, right? There's a yeah. lot of short play-by-play guys out there that still have the classic broadcaster voice. Or like actors. I think they're all like super tiny. Like Tom Cruise, you can put in your Actors pocket. are all short with gigantic heads. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise has a head like a Rottweiler, but he's five foot three, <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> I'm 5'8", Michael K., just to be clear. I'm... And Sean's five nine, no, five, five, nine change. Five. He is taller than me, I'll admit. Measured so. by a medical professional at one point in my life to be 5'10", I'm holding on to it until Was I die. Is that the same person that does like the prospects before the draft, before the <laughs> NFL, <laughs> is NHL that, combine? Is the equivalent of Johnny Gaudreau taping pucks to his, to his yeah. waist so, it, so yeah. he can tack on a couple extra LBs during the, during, the, uh, during the combine? No, I just, I think I... Shifted organs and broke bones in my back to stand up that, that wow. straight. So I'm I'm holding on to it. Honestly, didn't even realize you could see friends on Goodreads until last week. Says Thomas, I have a much more modest goal, but I'm already fi- I'm already uh, falling behind. See, Thomas, you're being honest about your Goodreads goal. You're not just pretending that you're going to read 75 <sighs> books this year or whatever. Listen, a the reason we're talking about it is I want you all to hold me accountable. If I don't get to 75. Fine, call me out on it. Don't call me out in January, Sean. I'm I'm three in. I just haven't updated. Um, also, hey, this podcast has been an absolute boon for my for my Goodreads friends. Is list. that true? Oh my gosh! I'd like to welcome Bria and Simon and Jeff and Brett and Tom and Kendall and Jen. We already welcomed okay, Jen. All right, all right, These all are right. All new Goodreads friends. If anybody wants to follow me on Letterboxd, <laughs> go for it. I'm I'm gonna start. 
<laughs> I'm going to start logging movies again. I, I swear. Of all like the social media things to focus on increasing or whatever Goodreads is. Letterboxd is the only on. good social networking site. The, the only good social networking sites are Letterboxd and Venmo. Venmo is funny because you can just oh, see yeah, what, funny, what funny jokes people make about, about, about payments they're sending. Isn't We're going to finish here. Where you get like movie rentals at like CVS? No. Letterboxd is just a, a site where people log movies that they watch and review them and create lists and all sorts mm. of stuff. Okay. Um, we're going to finish with Yardena, official uh, copy editor of the comment section. She's back. She's back. She's saying she's back. Sorry my pr- for my prolonged absence. I was out doing things. <laughs> oh. Good. Oh, good for you. It's one of us is. Can't remember what things, but I had no energy left to battle the troll. <laughs> The troll can be intimidating. Craig, don't feel bad about the artichoke mishap. Mm, the first time you. someone put a whole artichoke in front of me, I was like, WTF am I supposed to do with this? Next meetup at Tixie, Tipsy McStagger should feature an artichoke appetizer, which I, I like artichoke dip. Oh, okay. Just cheese yeah, and stuff, I know how to basically. Eat that. It's, yeah, that's just a cup of cheese. <laughs> I, I would... Listen, I don't want to... I don't want to guess anything on Tipsy McStagger's menu, but I don't believe they're going to have the Italy artichoke option that we're <laughs> referencing here. Um, I still, yeah, I'm still chewing on some of that. Thank you for understanding, Yardena. Who also says if there's karaoke involved, she would she would fly up for the Tipsy McStaggers meetup that we're going to do someday. Karaoke at Tipsy that'd be unreal. I can't say I can't say Tipsy McStaggers today. I keep saying, keep saying Tipsy. I love karaoke. You do? Like legitimately? We've talked yes. about this. Yeah. I don't love it. I'll I'll do it. Like I'm I'm not like a I'm not a Joe Smith level. I was just gonna kar- say, you know who karaoke loves karaoke? Fucking freakazoid, but Joe I, uh, Smith. I'll do it. I'll I'll do it when the mood strikes. There is a there's a group of people who are doing it at, at the draft in Montreal that I like a situational dependent. Didn't do it. You didn't uh, do it? Night. It was it because it was colleagues no. and you were embarrassed? No, I was just otherwise occupied. I was busy getting COVID from Drance. <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, uh, make sure you listen this week to the roundtable because Pizzo, Russo, and Granger have Mike Murphy in the NHL. Also, what, you said Russo is going to talk about the Bruce Boudreaux. If you didn't see it, Mike Russo got Bruce Boudreaux on the phone. Short, uh, probably ten seconds after Vancouver finally, finally moved on. And, it's crazy, uh, you know. It's crazy that Russo just seemed like he knew that he knew that Boudreaux was going to get fired by the Canucks. How could that have happened? He's so prescient. You know what I liked about that was Bruce. There was something along the lines of he, he was flying home to see his wife, and he had bought the plane tickets last week. The tickets that he used to fly, so he he had already booked the flight. It was him and Crystal, his wife, flying back from Vancouver to the house in Hershey. And they were using tickets that had been allotted to him in his contract. So that was part of his deal that they got like 10 sets of round trip tickets out of Vancouver. So he used one of those to leave Vancouver for good. Unreal. Bizarre. Here's Normal normal organization. Look, I have a like, there was so many things went wrong and I don't, we don't want to belabor this. We didn't even barely talked about it. I didn't like that they came up and and said something along the lines of at the introduction, the Rick Tockett press conference. This was something we decided this morning. 
It just lies. They're liars. Like that's like now, like uh, if you do a bunch of stuff behind the scenes and you plant stories in the media or whatever you want to do, that like that's, I, I, I'm not saying it's good or it's not great, but it's at least part of how the game is played occasionally. Don't, don't then get up on stage and say, this just all came down this morning or whatever the thing was. Well, then Rick Tockett says something like, yeah, I talked to the Sedins on Saturday, right? Like, I you, love, then you like, got to fill in everybody. Tockett's not going to lie. Why like, is that's ta- like, yeah, he, Rick's that's like, not part of his, like, I'm, it's just hey, whatever's going on with you. Whatever like, you guys yeah, want to say. Like, then I never, be- like. They're dishonest I, people. <sighs> they're dishonest people and it's a dishonest organization. Anything else? Yeah. I just, th- that, that, that really bothered me. Yeah, it's bullshit. Like it's, but it's it's the latest. It was like just like one last gob of spit in the face, but before it all before it all ended. It's a what joke. I always tell people, I'm like, look, I know there's times you can't tell me things. Like, don't take the call or don't just don't lie. Like, don't flat out lie, or else then I can never trust anything you're saying. When I'm talking to sources, or whatever, I don't care if you ignore me. I don't care if you dance around the truth. I don't even care if you like. Gary Bettman split hairs and say, I said at this time, I said at this time, you know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll add like little disclaimers to their comments. Like we're not looking to leave Atlanta at this time. And then at this time, yeah, tomorrow, that's, maybe just, we that's are. lawyer. That's lawyer bullshit. I can be lawyered it's up, but naked, don't say it's this not just, naked, just, naked just dishonesty. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. That really bothered me. Come on. Yeah. No, they and made the, the decision on, on Sunday morning. Like it's, it's sorry. Foul. We it's foul. Foul it. shit. That that's like the and again like just let him go like they made him come in on Sunday morning to do, like it's ugh, whatever I we we said we weren't going to talk about this that much and here we are but let him just leave on Saturday night fire him after the game you can come in and do this bullshit where he gets fired in person on at nine thirty on on a Sunday morning mm. out of here I oh, know losers <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, I, this is a terrible segue, but I, I did want to like mention news kind of merged as we were recording this. Bob Jones was diagnosed with ALS, Senator's assistant coach. So, um, I mean, just terrible news. And we, uh, nothing to say other than we're thinking about you. And that's, it's, you hate to, like, it's, that's terrible. Yeah. And, it's a, ter- and it's I, a terrible thank you for coming, disease. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's terrible, but the, it takes bravery to come public and, and share it. And I always admire people that do that. So, well uh, said. Yeah, I agree. Any other way to get out of it? Get out of this at this point, Sean. Leave a review, specifically about Sean, if you would. Um, subscribe to I, the Athletic. I will read bad five star reviews. Five star reviews where you make fun of me. That's fine. If, if, but if you want to make fun of me and talk about, you know, things you don't like, I was reading. One star. Um, I was trying to. Uh, I was reading reviews on something yesterday and it was a five star review that crushed the place. Like how does yeah. it, like it was so misleading. It was five stars. I'm like, Oh good. And then they're like, this terrible. Never use this. I'm like, well, why'd you give five stars then? Is there some strategy there I'm missing? You know, the internet. That's, I, I think it's just, I don't know if it maybe there's less of a chance that the review gets hidden possibly. Uh, yeah. But it also kept, like it showed up. It was like the first thing. And I'm like, hmm. the only, the only one of the only I'm not even gonna say that say the place that this was. I had a really really horrible experience at a at a, at a restaurant once, and I left like a, I left like a good review and was based. This is also years ago, but I left a really good review, and I'm not even gonna get into how bad the the, the deal was there because it was bad enough for me to leave the only review that, of a restaurant that I've ever left in my life. 
And I was just like, uh, yeah, five star review, but like, don't, don't, just don't come here. <laughs> oh, maybe that was you that it's I was a reading. Strategy. Um, you can also follow the Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at sign the Athletic Hockey Show. Anybody would do such a thing. We're back next week. Sean and I, this is, we're setting some sort of record. Consecutive shows with the two of us. I'm going to jinx it for sure. You're setting a record. I'm always here. Leave me out of this. We have some sort of record. And I just want to genuinely wish everybody a happy new year. It's January 24th. When is this bit going to I hope it, it can't end now. Just keep doing it. Ha- Bye. Happy new year, everybody. Happy Lunar New Year. That at least was somewhat close to the... Hey, I didn't specify which one. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye.